It's Tuesday, February the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, America's repatriation of cruise passengers and Canada's pipeline protest. First, the world in brief. America repatriated more than 300 Americans, some infected with COVID-19, from the Diamond Princess, a quarantined cruise ship docked near Tokyo. More than 450 people on board have caught the coronavirus, making it by far the largest cluster of cases outside of China. Australia, Canada, Italy, Hong Kong and South Korea are also sending flights for their citizens. Meanwhile, China reported that more than 72,000 people have been infected. Apple reported that its revenues will be dented by COVID-19, along with consumer demand and the production of new iPhones. It had forecast revenues of $67 billion for the current quarter, a record. Apple becomes the first major American firm to concede that such virus-borne slowdowns in its supply chain will affect its bottom line. Shortages could persist longer than the infections. In a victory for women's rights, India's Supreme Court ruled that all female army officers are now eligible for permanent commissions and commanding roles, putting them on a par with men in terms of promotions, ranks, benefits and pensions. Women have been able to join the army since 1992, but have not been able to qualify for a permanent commission. The European Union will end Operation Sophia, the bloc's naval mission in the Mediterranean Sea. The operation was launched in 2015 to crack down on smugglers of migrants from North Africa to Europe and to enforce a United Nations arms embargo around Libya, where a civil war is raging. A mission to replace Operation Sophia is still to be finalised. Cancelling a diplomatic trip to Barbados, Justin Trudeau, Canada's Prime Minister, instead attended emergency meetings to discuss anti-pipeline blockades which have crippled the country's railways. Protesters across the country have turned out in support of the Wet'suwet'en indigenous people who oppose the construction of a natural gas pipeline on their ancestral lands in northern British Columbia. Thierry Breton, the EU's industry commissioner, criticised Facebook's proposals for how online content should be regulated. Following a meeting with Mark Zuckerberg, the social media giant's boss, Mr Breton said the company's ideas for removing illegal content were inadequate. It was up to Facebook to adapt to Europe's standards rather than the other way round, he said. And Alstom confirmed that it is in talks with Bombardier, a Canadian rival, to buy its train-making business for as much as $7 billion. The French firm is keen to bulk up to compete with a much larger Chinese competitor, CRRC. Last year, the European Commission blocked a tie-up between Alstom's train business and that of Siemens, a German conglomerate, on competition grounds. And now, here's today's agenda. First day in the office, WeWork's new boss. Sandeep Mathrani starts as the office rental firm's chief executive today. He could scarcely provide a more striking contrast to WeWork's founder and ousted boss, Adam Neumann. With no prior experience in the industry, Mr Neumann built WeWork's valuation to a notional $47 billion, largely on the strength of his charisma and vision. His erratic behaviour and the revelation of the company's out-of-control finances last autumn, however, wiped out most of WeWork's value and led to the cancellation of its initial public offering. Mr Mathrani, however, is a seasoned executive from Brookfield Properties, a large property investment firm. 
His hiring signals that WeWork's primary backer, SoftBank, wants to turn the loss-making, tech-focused company into a profitable lesser of office space. Any extra value he can squeeze out of WeWork would be welcome to the Japanese tech investment firm. It has already lost more than $4 billion on its stake in the office space upstart. Here we go again, HSBC's strategy. The British bank has struggled to find its footing since the financial crisis, requiring two overhauls of strategy in the past decade. Today, its boss, Noel Quinn, has rolled out a third. At the top of HSBC's agenda is slimming down its underperforming European business. It aims to cut its risk-weighted assets in Europe by 35% by the end of 2022. Although HSBC is Europe's largest lender, the bank earns more in Asia. Even there, HSBC is having difficulties, with its businesses in Hong Kong and China affected by protests and the coronavirus. A good chunk of the bank's 237,000 employees may lose their jobs in the overhaul. They could even include Mr Quinn, who has held his role on an interim basis since his predecessor was sacked last August. Six months ago, Mr Quinn seemed to be the leading candidate to get the job permanently. Now the bank says the search is ongoing. A $50 billion question. UCOS shareholders v Russia. In 2014, the Permanent Court of Arbitration in The Hague ruled that Russia's government owed $50 billion to the shareholders of UCOS, an oil company it drove into bankruptcy in 2003-2007 to after its chief executive Mikhail Khodorkovsky became a political rival of President Vladimir Putin. Today, a Dutch appeals court decides whether to reinstate that verdict, which a district court overturned in 2016. The case hinges on whether the PCA had jurisdiction under an energy investment treaty which Russia signed but never ratified. It bears on whether international law can help investors mistreated by Russia. Mr Khodorkovsky is no longer involved. He transferred his shares to a partner while in jail between 2003 and 2013. If they win, UCOS's shareholders will have trouble getting their money. Russia will probably appeal to the Netherlands Supreme Court, and other states are reluctant to invite retaliation by seizing Russian assets. A high environmentalist cost, Turkey and civil liberties. Verdicts are expected today in the trial of 16 activists accused of trying to overthrow the Turkish government in an environmental protest in 2013. Millions took to the streets to block the plans of Recep Tayyip Erdogan, then Turkey's prime minister, to raise Istanbul's Gezi Park to build a shopping mall. Prosecutors who used illegal wiretaps and called witnesses who failed to implicate the defendants want judges to jail three of them for life. Osman Kavala, a philanthropist, Mujela Yapiji, an architect, and Yigit Agzakolu, a child development expert. Mr Erdogan, now president, has made the anti-Semitic accusation that Mr Kavala bankrolled the demonstrations with the help of George Soros, a Jewish billionaire. Evidence centres on Mr Kavala having bought pastries for protesters. Turkey has already flouted a ruling by the European Court of Human Rights that he should be freed. The ECHR said his detention since 2017 was based on flimsy evidence with an ulterior purpose of silencing dissent. Murder in the Mountains, Lesotho's First Lady in Court 
When Messiah Tabane appears in court today, it will be a moment that the people of Lesotho thought would never happen. The First Lady of the tiny mountain kingdom is accused of ordering the killing in 2017 of her rival in love, Lipolelo Tabane, the previous wife of Thomas Tabane, the Prime Minister. The alleged motive, a desire to hasten her accession to the office of First Lady, which the previous Mrs. Tabane was preventing by dragging out divorce proceedings. Few people in Lesotho thought the new Mrs. Tabane, who has not yet entered a plea, would face justice, partly because the country has a history of unsolved political murders. But one potential witness is key, Mr. Tabane. Although he has promised to step down as Prime Minister after the emergence of evidence linking his phone to a call from the crime scene, he is clinging on to his office and his innocence. At least for now, that is. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Nikos Kazantzakis, who was born on this day in 1883. The star dies, but the light never dies. Such also is the cry of freedom. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 